Lord, thank you that um, that is our identity. That's who we are, that we are your child. And because of that freedom of who we are in you, we do not need to walk in fear um, of anything in our lives, of anything we may encounter. We are forever grateful for all that you've done for us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. So the journey begins. Uh, yeah, that's that last week on the bulletin. A few asked the meaning of the picture, and I think it will become even more clear in the next few weeks um, as we start this journey. Uh, I don't know if Kieran will be here second service. He's a huge Tolkien fan. I think it was Bilbo Baggins who said, it's a dangerous business going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. So who knows where we're going to be swept off to by the Lord. A couple things just, I think, about the beginning of the journey um, for me and for 12th as we enter this, this new season. Um, couple things, I think, as I talked with the, the search committee, with the deacons and all, one thing we talked about is, you know, kind of that first year is a lot, just kind of getting a lay of the land. Does that make sense? So I think there's going to be um, just a lot of that going on. I'm going to be visiting all the small groups over the next, maybe this semester, at least the first year, um, trying to get to know the groups and everybody in them a lot better getting to know the, all the ministries going on and the leaders to a lot more detail than I do right now, getting a better feel for staff responsibilities and just even figuring out my, a new rhythm of ministry life because this is totally different than, than student ministry. So um, just ask your patience at the beginning of the journey as we, like I said, get a lay of the land and kind of figure out where things are. Um, give... I think give me and the leadership, the staff, the deacons a little time as we really hone in and try to get a very clear sense of where God is leading us, a clear picture of our next steps and kind of a general plan of how to get there and the role that we all have in what God's doing in his kingdom work. So, uh, so the journey onward. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next several weeks is this is going to be our introductory theme is this journey onward. Um, I thought appropriate, I, I don't know, for, it, for a lot of reasons, and it was something God even confirmed in a conversation with Scott Youngman last Monday, but I have spent my whole life being a very goal-oriented person. I'm very driven and focused by there's places I want to get to, things I want to get done. And I have, in ministry, one thing, I, a skill I had to learn that's been very helpful is you can get so goal-oriented that you miss the process, you miss the journey, and it, it's, it's hard to, be, to work with international students and not become process-oriented because, trust me, they're all about the journey. Uh, I remember the, <laughs> the first time we went to Colorado to take students to Bear Trap, and I made my first stop at a gas station, and I said, all right, I'm filling up, you got 10 minutes to get, go to the bathroom, get your stuff, and get out here. And if you know people from other cultures, they, their, their idea of time is a whole lot different. And I, I gassed up, got the receipt, 
jumped in the front of the van and looked, and there wasn't a single person in there. <laughs> 45 minutes later, <laughs> we got on the road. And I, that was really good for me because it taught me that the journey is, equally, is as important as that. And so I just felt like it was a good place for us to start with. Um, I love Psalm 84.5, which says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage on the journey with you, and that's kind of what we're going to be about. And on this journey onward today, what I want to talk about is, is our captain. And we're going to look at a story in Joshua chapter 5 in a minute. Um, Al, actually in his last sermon, do you remember, he spoke from Joshua chapter 1. I thought it was a fitting end to his ministry, and Joshua seemed like a fitting place to kind of relaunch from, to launch from for me. Um, it was a story of them getting ready to cross the Jordan, of Moses' death and Joshua replacing him. They had places to go and things to do. That's what Al said. And he said, for the church, you're going to have places to go and things to do. And he talked about in the journey, the next step of the journey, that there would be three unchanging things. Um, and gave us the little blue thing. You remember the little plaque or whatever that was. And he talked about that we could be assured that we, what we have on our journey is the unchanging word, God's unchanging power, and an unchanging leader who is Jesus. And the same God who was with Moses at the burning bush and at the Red Sea was the same God who would be with, at the Jordan with Joshua and who would be with us. And, I mean, those were great, great and fitting words. Um, I think. And so I want to come back to Joshua and to a story that um, actually very early in my sabbatical, um, I heard somebody talk about Joshua and it really impacted me. And it was a great, it really helped position me for what I was, what God was doing in my life in the sabbatical a couple years ago. And so I want to share that story with you. So let me set it up before we get to Joshua 5, if you don't mind. On one side of the story um, is all that had happened to get them to where they were. They had been slaves in Egypt. God had set them free. You know, the plagues. They had gone through the Red Sea. Tons of miracles. He had taken them to the place to enter the land. Out of fear, they refused to go in. Forty years of wandering. Miraculous provision that whole time. That whole generation ended up dying. They end up getting to the Jordan and are ready to cross. And Moses dies, and the, the mantle, the baton, gets passed to Joshua. They end up spying out Jericho, the first city that they're going to conquer and conquering the land. Then they end up crossing over the river in a, very, a miracle just the same as the Red Sea, have, a, have their first Passover, set up stones of remembrance. Um, and then we're going to find Joshua alone in just a minute. So that's kind of the before. What's coming after this story, on the other side of this passage, is going to be the conquering of Jericho, the taking of the land, the people settling the land, and the whole Old Testament story leading up to Jesus. So that's kind of the before and after. The setting is Jericho. It's the world's oldest city inhabited. Hold on, this is not advancing. Is it advancing? Oh, it's advancing for you guys. I'm just not seeing it here. Yeah, that was Al's thing, is Jericho, um, the world's oldest inhabited city. It's about 22 miles from Jerusalem, about the same distance from here to Cottonwood Falls. You wouldn't imagine that. You'd think 
It's a lot further, but it's actually not that far. And so we find Joshua before conquering Jericho. They've just crossed the river, and he's all alone outside the city. And we're going to go to the text in just a minute, but we don't know what he was doing there. Perhaps he was scouting out the city, checking out the defenses, the defenses they had. Um, that city would be very intimidating, seemingly impregnable. Um, there we go. That's Jericho today and what it looked like at that time. Um, in Deuteronomy 128, when the spies had spied out the land, they came back and they said the cities are large with walls up to the sky. And now Joshua is seeing this for the first time by himself. In Joshua 6.1, it'll say right after the story, now the gates that we're looking at, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And in all of his military experience, he had never fought against a walled city. The things that had happened on the journey had always been open field combat. And he had never gone against a city that was set up for a long siege. Um, in fact, of all the walled cities in Canaan at that time, this was the most massive and formidable that he could face. They had no battering rams. They had no... Um, there we go. They had, they had nothing to scale the walls. They had no battering rams, no, no siege towers. They didn't have any of that kind of stuff. Had no instructions on what to do. And I'm sure he's like thinking, you know, how in the world are we going to do this? And maybe even feeling like it was all on him. I'm not sure. So, about ready to do that, and here's what happens. So, now Joshua... When he was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. So here he is, scoping everything out, checking it out, and he's suddenly startled by the appearance of a man with a drawn sword. And tell me, generally, what's a drawn sword mean? Do what? Yeah, somebody's ready to fight. That's generally not a defensive posture. It's probably offensive, right? Um, and either this guy, he's either on your side or he's not. And Joshua doesn't know. He's never seen the guy, doesn't know who he is. If he's on your side, he's not really following the rules. He's approaching you in a kind of an offensive posture, which you wouldn't do to a commanding officer. But if he's not on your side, this guy is likely an assassin. Somebody's sent to take him out. And so Joshua went up to him and he asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Are you for us or are you for our enemies? It's like the old, uh, the old army movies I grew up with. Who goes there, right? Friend or foe? And the man answers, oh yeah, friend or foe, whose side are you on? And the man answers, no. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that was my initial reaction, right? No. Some translations translate it neither, but it's just the simple Hebrew word lo that means no. Um, pretty strange response, right? 
a non sequitur, we would say. You know, it's like if, if Jordan and I were to go somewhere and we come to a T in the road, and he knows the way to where we're going, and we come to the T and I say, left or right? And he says, no. You know, you go to a football game, and you say, hey, who do you root for? The home team or the away team? And the answer is, no. I mean, don't you hate it when you ask a question and somebody gives you an answer totally unrelated to what you asked? I mean, isn't that kind of annoying? Uh, it is for me. So he says, are you for us or against us? And this stranger says, no. And I'm sure there was this uncomfortable pause for Joshua. And then the man says, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I have arrived. I'm the true commander on this field of this battle. And we're going to see in a minute, this is Yahweh. This is the Lord who has shown up. And it's like Joshua saying to him, Joshua, I've shown up and I'm here. I realize you've been put in charge of these people and you're in command, but I want you to know that I have come as the captain. The captain. And this is ultimately my battle and I'm the one that's in charge here. And so he waits for Joshua's response. And I love his response. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. The message says, and worshiped. And then he says this, and he asked, what message does my Lord have for his servant? I think in plain English, that's, yes, Lord, whatever you say, you have my yes. Um, and I just, I love the response. It reminds me of some of the great yeses of the Bible. I'm at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? Reminds me of Samuel when God spoke to him and the Lord came and stood and he called at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Yes. Or Mary, we just did Christmas. Her response, when she was told that she was pregnant as a virgin, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Her response to God being, Yes. So I, I love Joshua's response, this, this, uh, this great yes. This, what does my servant have to say? What does my master have to say? And this is his response. The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. The place where you are standing is holy. Does that sound familiar? Ever heard that before? Yeah, in Exodus chapter 3 verse 5, this was uh, what God said to Moses. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Because this isn't just anybody. This is the Lord. This is Yahweh. In fact, in chapter 6, verse 2, we're specifically, he's specifically, this individual is identified as the Lord Yahweh. The very one that, who met Moses and called him to liberate the people is here meeting Joshua at this key juncture of his life and telling him, I'm here to be with you as you go into the land. And do you know who this person is? It's not just the Lord, Yahweh. Specifically, this is most likely Jesus himself. 
This is what's called a Christophany. Um, if you read the Old Testament, you will frequently find references to what's called the angel of the Lord. There's a lot of appearances of angels of the Lord or an angel of the Lord, but occasionally in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord will show up. He shows up to Abraham, he shows up to Jacob, he shows up to Gideon, several other people. And this is actually, most scholars believe, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. This is Jesus, the great I Am, who before Abraham was born, he, who existed, the one who said, Abraham saw my day, so he was the one that met Abraham in that tent. That this is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the captain who's showing up in a pre-incarnate human form, meeting Joshua. And um, I just love the final response to this. And Joshua did as he was told. Joshua did as he was told. He obeyed. I don't know, last week, this was a part of the reading in the uh, installation service. Keith Roy, my friend from Bear Trap, read it. Did you notice what Keith did when he read this passage? It might have been hard to see. Anne says she saw. He removed his shoes. I thought that was, I was kind of over there. I thought, wow, that's cool. And so I want to get to why I think this passage is so important to Joshua and to me and to us. So do you mind if I do the same thing Keith did? Um, I feel it's appropriate. This is a huge moment in his life and in the life of that community of Israel because a lot hung in the balance because Joshua's response to the commander of the Lord's army, it would set up the rest of his life and the rest of his leadership. The question was, what would Joshua's posture towards his Lord and his mission be? And I think that's what this whole thing is about, is Jesus is coming and saying, I want to know what is your posture towards me before we enter into this, this battle and this adventure I've called you to. And I think he's wanting Joshua to make two decisions or to answer two questions. And here they are. The first one is this. Who will you be for? Because you remember the question that Joshua asked him was, was what? Who are you for? Are you for us or are you against us? And in that great answer, Jesus says, no. And I think what Jesus was saying was, that's the wrong question. The question isn't, who am I for? The question, Joshua, is, who are you for? Who are you for? Joshua, he's saying, I have come not to be a part of your story, not to be a part of the story of Israel. I've come to discover, are you, as the leader of my people, are you willing to be a part of my story? Are you for me? Joshua, who's at the center of your, your life? Is it you or is it me? And I really felt, feel like that Joshua's answer to this question was going to determine how well he would be used for God's purposes, whether it would be Joshua just doing what he wanted to do or if it would be him being an instrument in the hands of God with that great yes that I am for you, for God to do through him what he wanted to do. And I think Joshua, this whole text shows us 
from his response that his answer was to that question, are you for me, was yes, by how he responded. It reminds me of Abraham Lincoln. You guys have heard the story. During the Civil War, he was asked by a reporter if God was on the side of the North. And he said, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. Isn't that a great question? I mean, a great answer to a question. And that's what I feel like was happening with Joshua here. Is the commander of the Lord's army shows up and says, who are you for? And his answer is, I am for you. And I think he asks a second question in all of this, which is this. Whose leadership will you follow? To whom will you submit? Under whose authority will you live your life? And you see this idea of authority all in here. You see the word commander twice. My Lord is his response. Joshua's question, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And then him doing what he was told. I'll I'll answer this question for us. So God was saying, I think, before you embark on this mission, I have to make sure that you understand that if you're going to be used as a part of my story, you need to be a leader under authority and not a leader in authority. I don't know, perhaps Joshua thought he of himself as the commander-in-chief, the guy that was in charge. In his mind, it was probably this battle between Israel and Canaan. But he met the divine commander, and he learned that the battle was not his, but it was his that Jesus wasn't his ally, but Jesus was actually the one in charge. That it was God's battle, and that Joshua was merely his servant. And I think that at that moment, by his response, that Joshua made a decision that would follow him the rest of his life, that he decided that he would be a man who would live his life under authority and not in authority. You see the difference? Two small words, but it's a big deal. That he was not going to live his life in authority, but he was choosing to submit and live his life under authority. That he would live for God and simply be obedient to him and trust him with whatever consequences came from that obedience. And rather than, I think, Joshua coming to the point of making his own mark in the world, that he decided at this moment that he was going to follow God and let God make his mark through him. And Joshua rose from that day, and he did amazing things. God did amazing things through him because he was submitted to God, and he was living for God's story, for God's greater purposes in the world. So, yeah, would he be a man in authority or a man under authority? So, can you stand... And can we read the story again together? Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? No, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have 
for his servant. The commander, Lord's army, replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So, the question is, how about me? Right? How about you? How about us as a community? Like Joshua and the children of Israel, we're at a key juncture in the life of 12th Avenue. And the big question isn't, what are we going to do for God? The question is, is what is God wanting to do through us? And for that to happen, we need to be for Him, and we need to be living under His authority. Because He's the head, right? And this is His church, right? And so we need to be living under His authority. I have no idea what God wants to accomplish through us. You know, we all have our dreams, our visions, our startup strategies, our plans. Um, but truth be told, we have no idea where God is going to take us and what He's going to call us to do. But the thing I do know is whatever he wants to do through us is much larger than we can ever imagine or dream, and it's larger than we can do in our own strength and wisdom. And so just as with Joshua, I mean, this battle, it's his, and he's the commander. And so I, I, I love these scriptures. They're good reminders for me that this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but whose? It's God's. And this David and Samuel, all those gathered here will know it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is, yeah, the Lord's. It's not our great planning and our strategy. That's not what saves, because it's the Lord's battle. And Zechariah, this is the word of the Lord. It's not by might nor power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So it's his battle. And we need to be for Him, and we need to live under His authority. So what will our posture be going forward? I think we have to answer those same two questions. The same two questions that he, that I think Joshua had to answer, which is number one, who will I be for from this day forward? Who will you be for? Who will we as a community be for? Whose story are we going to be about? Are we going to be about our story, our own story, or are we going to be committed to living God's story and what He's doing in the world? Will we live for ourselves, or are we going to live for Him? Will we, like Joshua, will we give Jesus our yes to whatever it is He wants to do in this community? You know, He doesn't exist to be a part of my story. Sometimes I live that way. It's about His story, and it's about what He's doing in the world. And I just want to remind you, because I remind myself all the time, living for my story and my life is way too small a thing to give my life to. The only thing worth giving my whole life to is what God's doing in the world and His story. And I and we have all been given the privilege of having He's given us a role and a part in His story. And so the question is, I mean, there's so many questions I've got on here. Am I willing to offer my gifts, my life, my resources, my time, my life experiences 
to a larger story than my own life to God's story? And that's the same question for all of us. You know, today as we sit at this kind of the beginning of a new leg of the journey, are we willing to give everything for His story? And I think we have to answer the questions, whose leadership will we follow? Whose leadership am I going to follow? How about you guys? How about you individually? Whose leadership are you going to follow? As a community, whose leadership are we going to follow? To whom are we going to submit our lives? Under whose authority will we live our lives? Is it going to be our own? Or is it going to be the captain? Is it going to be his? Will we live self-willed and self-reliant? Or are we going to live submitted and dependent to Him? Will we live our lives under authority or in authority? And I think how we, how I answer that question, I think how you answer that question, I think how we as a community answer that question will determine the kind of impact that God can have through us moving forward. Can I have the worship team come up? And I want the deacons, they've got something that we're going to pass out. We've got a little thing we're going to give you that we want to take you to take home with you. Um, we want to put kind of a nail in the wall on this whole thing of who are we going to be for? And under whose leadership are we going to live? Are we going to live in authority or under authority? And we want to give you this little reminder of that. It fits the idea of journey. It's a carabiner that, when, like a bear trap, when we're doing rappelling or rock climbing, we're always using lots of these. Please don't rock climb with this. I think there's little instructions on it that says, don't use this for rock climbing or rappelling. Um, And it says on it, you'll notice, kingdom people. And we're going to talk more in the coming weeks about kingdom. And it's about our captain. Right? This is what it's about. This has to be the starting point. Is him and his kingdom. And that's what we want to be, are his kingdom people. So I don't know how this feels, but, you know, today could be kind of a holy moment for us where we're taking our shoes off and we're asking the question, who am I going to be for and to whom will I submit? And in a minute, I want to just take a moment to quietly reflect on that question. A few weeks ago, we took students to Urbana, 2018. Um, the oldest, the main college student conference happens every three years by InterVarsity. Jim and Elizabeth Elliott were called to the Lord on the mission field there. Jim, Billy Graham was impacted by it early in his life. Um, it was a great conference. We had a 
a great time. And while I was there, I had kind of a Joshua moment. During one of the worship times, I had been reflecting on this story a lot. And I really felt God, to me, even more directly asking these questions. Garen, as the, the lead follower of 12th Avenue, who are you going to be for? Is this going to be about you? Or is this going to be about what I am doing in Emporia and in 12th Avenue in the world? And I also felt very strongly like he was saying to me again, Garen, whose leadership are you going to follow? Are you going to be a leader that's in authority? Or are you going to be a leader under my authority? And I had already made some of those commitments, but it was kind of, for me, a moment of, of renewing of that. And I also, at that moment, had a really strong sense, and please don't take this wrong, okay? Don't take this wrong. I am uninterested in leading an organization. Do you know what I want? I want to be part of a community of people who are following hard after him. That's what I want. That's what I want. When I came to him from my non-church background, it was Jesus that I was coming to. And I think I said, when I preached that, whatever that thing was called back in September, I've always longed just to be a part of a movement of God. And so, would you guys join me on this new journey? And can we make a commitment that we're for him and we're for his story? And can we really today solidify again that we're not going to be living our lives in authority, but we want to live, live under authority, specifically his authority? So can we just take a moment and just, I just would like us to prayerfully just think about that. Would you join me in a prayer? It's on the screen. Can we read it together as a community? By the habitual inclination of our hearts, may we constantly say, your will be done. Yes, God. Yes to whatever may please you. May all your holy wishes be fulfilled. Today, we renounce our individual wills, which can be blinded and corrupted by that despicable ego, the mortal enemy of your grace, your perfect love, your glory, and our sanctification. Today, we say yes, God, yes, to whatever may please you. So how will we respond? Will we give him our yes?
It's not about us, it's about Him. And being perfectly positioned under Him so that He can work through us. It's all about Jesus, our Captain, and our King. So this morning, I just challenge you to put your yes to Him on the table.
So, Lord, would you make us a community of people who give you our yes? That we are a place in Emporia where we're not living for ourselves, but this is the one, at least the one place. I trust there are others, but at least here, we are known as a people who are for you and that we're living for you and your story. And may we be a community that is known as people, not who are living our lives in authority, but we're living under your authority. And we're following your lead and your lordship in all that we do. Because we want you to be famous. We want you to have all the honor and all the glory. And we pray in the name of Jesus, our captain and our king. Amen. Now, go this week. Give him your yes. Live under his authority and follow him. You're dismissed.